and welcome to the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Haunts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone who has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually, or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and anything in between. In this episode, we're going to talk about things to avoid when starting a side hustle. Yeah, it should be a good one. So, welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. You, you feeling better now? Yeah, I'm feeling much better actually. I've had a really, really bad cold. I've still got a bit of a cough, and um, but it's it's on the way out. But I do actually feel so much better. It's just been good to have a rest actually. I think the the sort of enforced um, sort of rest that I've had from having this illness has, has definitely helped. Actually, I feel ready to sort of crack on again with work now. Did you manage to completely rest, or was there always that temptation to open up the laptop uh, and check some emails? I, I think I felt that bad one day. I just literally did nothing, so it's quite nice. I think I just felt that bad, you know, um, and generally been sort of a bit more relaxed. So it's been good actually. I think it's done me good actually. Um, so yeah, yeah, just ready to crack on with work. What have you been up to, then, Steve? You back with? Yeah. So the you survived the floods. Oh, the, the great floods. floods. Yeah. The great so floods. For a bit of context, for anyone not in the UK, we've had quite a lot of bad weather recently. Well, we always have bad weather in the UK. But certainly in the central UK, sort of Derbyshire and Yorkshire area, there's been lots and lots of flooding. And uh, the town I live in, Belper, uh, not where I live specifically because we're on top of a big hill, but sort of down the bottom of the town, there's quite severe flooding. Yeah, and there's like a river, isn't there, that, at the bottom? And yeah, the river, river Derwent. And um, so it went part of the train tracks were underwater at one point. I know, which, you see, which yeah, is bad. You see, so yeah. I, I decided not to come into the office at all last week because my wife was away with work. And I just didn't want to risk not being able to get the train back home to pick the kids up. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I, so I just worked from home all last week. Yeah, so that's probably the joys of at least having the option to do that, isn't it? Which is nice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, oh, the weather's been absolutely ghastly. Then on the flip side, looking at Australia, with the, you know, they're having these massive uh, wildfires. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, if they send some of their heat our way, we can give, <laughs> so we, we can give them some excess rain. <laughs> some our rain, yeah, they probably need our rain. We probably need some of their warmth. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a fair swap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, work-wise, so the course I was doing for Pluralsight on stakeholder... Uh, management and stakeholder relationship building is complete. Oh, brilliant, yeah, yeah. Uh, it actually came out today, so what's today, Wednesday? Okay, yeah, yeah. Wednesday, do you know, I have no idea what date it is. Wednesday the 20th, so that came out this morning, so that's good. Anyway, so you had good feedback on that, or? Um, yeah. Not yet, I mean, I obviously had the peer review feedback from the internal peer review team, and that, yeah. was, that was very, very good. They were happy with yeah, what you'd done, yeah. I was very happy. That. I, I did have one issue when I was recording, actually, and this is partly my fault, because there's, there's a certain set of files, this is kind of a bit of an aside, but it's an interesting story okay. of how to hack your way around a problem. So there's certain sets of fonts we're supposed to use. Uh, it's a font called Gotham. Which is is like, like an italic type font? Uh, sort of, yeah. But it's a set of you know, fonts we have to use in, in the slide design. Yeah. And you know all my slides were approved and signed off, ready to record. But I got hit by this weird bug in PowerPoint. It's happened to a few other authors as well, where it said the font I was using was Gotham, but it was showing a different font. Okay. But because my slides had already been signed off, I didn't really check too closely. Okay. And But it was showing the wrong font. So That's I recorded the entire course, <laughs> In this edited it all, submitted it, and I got a call from my production editor saying, uh, I think we've got a problem because it's showing the wrong font. Oh, no. Okay. It's, it's happened to a few other people. It been, seems to be this weird bug that's happened in PowerPoint recently. And they were like, you're going to have to re-record the entire course. Oh, no. And that is like every author's biggest fear is having to do a re-record. Yeah, that must be so. It must be so deflating, you know. So, so in the end, I was like, I came up with an interesting solution because the the longest bit is recording the dialogue and editing and all of that. Yeah. So in the end, what I did is a bit of a Heath Robinson solution. So I had the iMac with the video that I'd already recorded running in ScreenFlow, and then I had my laptop, and I had the slides being displayed full screen. So I set the screen recorder to record on my laptop. I then hit play on the <laughs> oh, iMac. And then you just Kept yeah. on the, so, on the so the audio was being recorded just through the internal mic on my laptop, but yeah. I was advancing the slides at the correct time. Then what I do is I merge, I merge the videos keep, together, yeah, yeah, lined up, up to lined face. up the audio, dumped the crap audio or the bad audio, and then I was left with. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. So actually, it was an interesting way of hacking yourself around a problem just to avoid doing a complete redo. So yeah. it took me about three hours to sort of sort that out. But yeah, that's it's easier than having to completely redo it all. So yeah, it was, it was that was a bit of a. Heated moments. Oh no, I'm gonna have to re-record the whole thing. Yeah, oh, it sounds like you saved it in three hours, so that's that's good. Um, so in terms of the work stuff that I've been working on at the moment, is there's a few things. Obviously, lots of different things to work on, but the two things that um, I got talking to a guy. I was working for a place at Burton shortly. I've had kind of stopped working there now, but there was one of the guys there was a, like an AdWords expert. Um, oh, right. So and and I've generally just done AdWords myself, 
Um, but I'm not, I think it's like all these things, you know, back in the day it was more, you know, back in the day when things start out, you do everything, don't you do AdWords, you do everything, but it's AdWords got more and more complex over the years and it's reached the point where you kind of have to be somebody that is a pro that does it all day, every day to be really, really good at it. Right. Um, so we've sort of like hired somebody um, to look at our AdWords account and, and they've done a, a few bits and they've definitely sort of improved upon, you know, anything I could have done. But I mean, that's just the, it's just easier for them because they do that day in day out you know and they just have that expertise that i don't have so like, are they looking at sort of keyword selection and what you bid on certain keywords yeah or a lot of it's too they're looking at the um changing some of the ad text uh, improving the 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 quality of the ad text and and just also looking at bid strategies um, and different tactics for like remarketing and using different kind of visuals and just lots of different things things right. that i wouldn't even think about really i mean some of it's just it's quite nuanced isn't it a lot of these things you know just change yeah here it can get there. quite complicated I mean, i've looked at adwords before i'm nowhere near an expert on it at all yeah and it yeah. always struck me as saying it was very complicated oh yeah there's just so much data you can get from it and it's hard to interpret it you know unless you really know what you're looking at you know if you do it a lot do, do you get quite a lot of traffic come through adwords yeah yeah we do yeah it's one of our main our main sources of traffic Okay, um, so it's, it's 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 a big part of what we do, really. But it's it's trying to get that that correct. Um, I wonder if I should look at it for the book launch. When I get yeah, no, possibly. Yeah, possibly. And sometimes it's AdWords works well for certain businesses, but not for other. It's like anything. I think t certain types of business have particular kind of traction, marketing traction for one particular you know, different sources. But I think it works okay for us, but it might not work for other people. Yeah, I mean, when, when I've experimented before, I mean, I've not really tried AdWords for quite a long time, but for the book series I did before. I had absolutely no success with Facebook ads at all. Yeah, yeah, it's um, hard, I think. A fairly, fairly reasonable success with um, Twitter ads. Okay, um, yeah. Instagram ads seem to work quite well. Oh, okay, when, yeah. When I tried yeah. it. But I also use Amazon's own marketing service called Amazon Marketing Services. Oh, was that good, was it? Oh. Well, it's, it's used specifically for advertising um, books. Yeah, oh, yeah, I can imagine that. Um, but that's, that was, was that's, that... that's driven quite a lot of traffic. Yeah, I can imagine that, that that might be a sort of marketing channel that would work for... What you're doing but i mean it's, it's a tricky one really the other thing we're looking at is um they use this phrase that like engineering is marketing so uh, quite often you see websites that have free tools on them mm. i'm trying to think of examples there's one called there's a who do silk tide they do this tool called nibbler and you can use it to test it's like a free tool where you can test your website you put in your domain name for your website it tells you what's wrong with your website and then but okay. they do a paid product where you can make improvements and stuff you know is that security testing Sort of no, it's, it's more like, you know, are there any broken links, uh, are the domains in the correct format, you okay, know, is, any, yeah. is the CSS broken or, you know, things like that, you know, and like, how's it looking mobile, does it work in, you know, just all, just various different checks on the quality of the website, basically, not, not necessarily security things as such, but, um, but what we're thinking about doing is, for what we do is having these sort of timber span tables, um, so these like free sort of resources um, like these engineered resources that people can go onto our website and sort of check out um, what size floor joists in a particular span mm. or something like that. But, but they're going to be like the free, there's nothing quite like that out there on the market. So if we have these free tools, we're hoping to get a lot of traffic and sort of they, drive Are they like tools or documents? They're, oh, it's hard to describe. They're kind of like tools, that would, the way I would describe it. They're like these span <clears> tables. So they're kind of information really, but mm. we're going to have it so it's kind of semi-interactive so they can do things with it and stuff. You okay. Know? Oh, welcome, um, welcome to the world of content marketing. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, yeah. it's kind of, yeah, I think the phrase is, it's, they call, I've heard it put like engineering is marketing, and that plays to our strengths as engineers. I think that's, yeah. uh, that, that's a good, it's something we're just trying out and seeing how that goes along with the AdWords, and then we're going to do other stuff as well. Kind of like a, a lead magnet in a way, so you're giving away something of value in, yeah, in the hope yeah. that someone will then go and use your service. Yeah, it's just, just oh, it's almost like a, uh, you know, raising, uh, there's probably people that would go there and buy our product, they just don't know it exists, so it's just raising that. Know, awareness of, of who we are and what we do. Cool. Be interesting to hear. Yeah, yeah. I'll see how that goes. We'll probably launch that at some point, some point soon. Cool. Okay, so we've got a couple of audience questions here. Okay. So first one is from Colin. So I started a small side hustle, but it ultimately failed after I spent about five thousand pounds of my own money on it. It was a bit of a knock on my confidence. Have either of you had any failed startups before, um, before your current gigs? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's things that I've tried. I, I've done a. I remember building. Um, it was like a two-sided. I know I mentioned it previously. Like a two-sided marketplace for the structural engineers and people that wanted to use structural engineers. 
Oh, yeah. I probably this, this it probably was similar sort of it's probably around the four thousand pound mark that I spent in the end or something like that. So and it was a complete failure. Right. Know, and it was it was quite painful. But I think sometimes what happens is you end up building something, but you don't go out there and ask if anybody actually wants to pay for it, or you don't go out there and get customer feedback on whether the world actually needs whatever you're building. I think that's sometimes where you come a cropper is where you build it in isolation, but you don't go out and validate the idea or yeah. see if there's demand for it. It, it really does hurt though. Um, it's a lesson learned, you know, you, you didn't really waste £5,000, that was a £5,000 lesson, I suppose. I mean, it's hard to say that when it's your own money though, isn't it? It's a good way of looking at it, isn't it? Yeah, so you've learned a lesson that cost you cost you 5000 Yeah, I think, I think what you've got to think about is think very carefully with future projects is perhaps not risk as much money, perhaps validate the idea before spending the money or if there's a cheaper way of doing it, um, if you can sort of like build a cheaper tool or kind of um, just build a landing page or if you can build something on you know, a simple tool. I don't know, it's hard, isn't it, really? What, what would you say, Steve? To um, I mean, when I first started doing um, audio sound libraries many years ago, I mean, the idea was I wanted to turn that into a full-time business that I could run. And whilst it, was, it wasn't a complete failure, I mean, the libraries sold and I had, it, had them you know, listed with various different online marketplaces and stuff. And they made money, but it was I couldn't get it to a point where it'd earn anywhere near that I could actually afford to do it full time. Mm, yeah, yeah. So ultimately, I classed. I mean, did I class it as a failure? It's a tricky one because I'm not really sure if it's a failure or not. I mean, it, yeah, it, it probably it, wasn't. It probably wasn't. It's it's. Uh, it was a failure in the terms it didn't get me to to the goal that I wanted. Where I was going to do it full time. Yeah, but it was. I mean, it, it probably people. I assume you would have learned from doing that. I guess you would have learned lessons that you could take on. To yeah, I mean, the, the stuff I was doing was quite niche, I and mean, I think that was a problem. It wasn't. Yeah. Generally enough. It it is it is hard really. I, I it also the knock on confidence is, is the tricky one, isn't it? It's how do you dust yourself off and pick yourself up again? I think sometimes you just have to be quite thick skinned, don't you, and just just keep yeah. trying. I mean, really. originally, I mean, I've never been someone that was really that entrepreneurial. So the kind of things that I've done, I, I kind of fell into. Yeah, I think often that's often the case, isn't it? Um, that people do that. Um, so, so when I started doing courses for Pluralsight, I wasn't sitting there thinking, "Yes, this is my grand master plan. I'm going to do this full time." <laughs> it just kind of gradually developed over time, and then I kind of picked up the confidence to do it full time. But I assume you would have had some success, and then you just built upon that, did you? Then, or um... yeah, I mean, I was doing it for three years part time before I sort of finally sort of bit the bullet and. Yeah. Full time I guess when you first started out, it wasn't your intention for that to be on day one to replace your day job. Oh no, not, not at all. It was a, it was just an interesting project that was a bit of fun. I really had no idea where it was going to go. Go, yeah, yeah. Perhaps I would say is if you do work on any future projects, look at ways that you can sort of um, work on an idea, but not necessarily spend that amount of money on it, um, especially without validating the idea. I think that's that's always dangerous, isn't it? You know where you have this, I'm going to change the world, have an amazing, you know, have this amazing idea, you build it, and then nobody, mm. nobody wants it. We, we should probably research a future episode, actually, on ways of validating ideas. Yeah, yeah. Because sitting there thinking, like, you know, you've got an idea, you want to validate it, which is obviously, you know, sounds like a sensible thing to do, but kind of, how do you do it? There's, there must be you know, various different ways of, of actually trying to validate an idea, of, and trying to actually target that idea towards a certain group of people. Yeah. It's, it's often tricky, isn't it? I think sometimes you could just build something and just get lucky. So <laughs> it's dangerous, isn't it? Sometimes it's dangerous, isn't it, to give that kind of advice, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I think you'd have to be mindful, don't you, think about what you're building and, and who wants it, you know, because you can end up having these failures if you're not careful. Yeah, maybe a potential future episode. Yeah, no, I think so, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll discuss that one offline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, so uh, this one is actually uh, from Kevin. Wasn't okay. You, wasn't you, no. was it? No, no, it must be another Kevin. I thought that would be is it? No, it's more it. than one. Yeah. Um, so when building modern web software, there seems to be quite a lot of professional snobbery around what you use to build the site. Um, have either of you found this a problem? Uh, yes, in my full-time position, but not in a side hustle. Not in a side hustle. So I went to a meetup yesterday in, in Leicester, and there was a few founders there and people asking various questions. And, and one of the founders said that, Quite often, the people that are buying your software aren't technical. Mm. So, um, obviously, you know, if they're if they are coders, they might be interested in what uh, you know what software a web apps written with. But if they're non-technical people, they probably don't really care. I, I remember having several gonna... conversations at the startup that I was working at before I went full time, 
and you know it basically turned into one of these um, arguments you know about you know React JS versus Angular JS. Okay, yeah, yeah. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, people have preferences. You know, that's fine. And there's you know libraries that are better than others, but at the end <coughs> of the day, it really doesn't matter. I think yeah, I think it, yeah, I'll, I, probably, I, I'll probably get loads of hate mail now. But. No, possibly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, probably customers <coughs> won't. As long as it works, your customers probably won't really care. I mean, there's probably lots of technical reasons why you'd pick. I mean, I, I I'm not, a, I'm not a developer, so it's hard for me to really say. But from having spoken to the developers, I think they sometimes just best to work with what you understand or what you're familiar with. I've, I've had um, to put reins on developers before um, working for different companies because it's. There's, there's like a new JavaScript framework released like every 30 seconds, it, it feels like. So people tend yeah. to jump on, you know, kind of what's new and sexy. And I've had to kind of pull people back on that a bit. Cause it's like, well, you know, you may find this interesting, but in two years' time, you may not be working at this company because people move on. Yeah. So yeah. if you move on, and I've got a huge code base written in this new fancy, lang in this <laughs> yeah. new fancy framework, which is not fashionable anymore, am I going to be able to recruit people to carry on with it? Will anyone want to do it? And is the next team I bring into the dish just going to want to scratch, you know, Get rid of everything. Yeah, and start actually, again. that that's that's another important point. Perhaps if you are picking, um, uh, you know, a language to write in, perhaps pick one that you know that you can hire people in to work on the language as well. You know, so as if you pick some random, uh, really ridiculously way out there code that nobody else uses, and all the people that can use it are ridiculously expensive. You know, um, that can potentially be a problem as well. So I think yeah, sometimes. In the last I'd company, perhaps go for the obvious ones, you know. Like in the last company, a lot of people wanted to go for Angular, versus quite a few people that wanted to use React. And you know, we looked at the job market. So we, you know, in the in the local job market, who can we realistically employ? Mm, yeah, to yeah. come in and build this thing and maintain it in the future when the original team potentially isn't here. And through our research, we found that React had a much larger um, employment base yeah. than what Angular did. Even though a lot of people were arguing that they thought Angular was a better solution at the time. So, this was a few years ago. Now. Yeah, so I think it, it just depends. It's all. I mean, if you're going to build the next like Uber or something, you've probably got to think a bit more carefully than if you're building a, a smaller business. You know, I can imagine. Yeah. It's this. You know, there's a difference. As you know, in terms of if you're going to scale to be a massive, massive company, it's probably different as if yeah. you're just doing a, a simple web app. You know, which yeah, really matter. There, there is a lot of snobbery in this stuff, unfortunately, and it is irritating. So um, my my opinion is it it doesn't matter. I mean, good friend of mine, Scott. I mean, he runs. Um, a business called Report URI. And let's try and get Scott on here for an interview actually. It's okay, a fascinating yeah, yeah. story. Um, very, very popular website and service that he provides, all written in PHP. Now, a lot of people tend to joke about PHP and take the mickey out of it. Uh, yeah. But do you know what? <laughs> um, he, he got that site up and running bloody quickly. Yeah. And he makes a lot of money through it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're PHP as well, aren't you? All our stuff's yeah. PHP, yeah. Yeah, it's just simple and it works and that's that's all we need, you know, we don't need anything pretentious. Yeah. You use what you know and if it works. Yeah, go with it. Yeah, it's no no problem. Yeah, hope we haven't opened up the, uh, <laughs> we'll the, the JavaScript framework holy wars. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah probably get some views for that. Favor working software over fancy frameworks. Yeah, yeah, well, sure. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt or a cup. I think just stick with what you know. I think as well. You know. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to build a website, the skills I've got is ASP.NET. Yeah, yeah, I use that. So, so that's what I'd use if I'd, I was doing it. I'd probably use Wix or WordPress or something like that. Actually, you joke, but have you seen Squarespace? Yeah, I've seen it, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. we're not sponsored by Squarespace, unless Squarespace <laughs> listens to this and wants to sponsor yeah, us. Yeah, they can fine. do, yeah, yeah. But it's absolutely fantastic. I've been doing a bit of due diligence because I need a, a marketing site uh, with, you know, blogs and you know, a place to buy physical copies of books and stuff when I do the book launch. Okay. And I haven't got time to sit down and code a site. Oh, no, yeah, I'm yeah. not interested in doing that. So, I was looking at Squarespace, it's bloody good. I know really, they are. Really, really I mean, I, I used I used Wix a while, and that looked, that was really awesome. You know, like, similar sort of thing, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the website builds are really really good these days. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah um, don't don't be afraid to use one of these like sites. I think build a site. Yeah, if you just want to build a basic landing page, they're awesome. You know, but I obviously can't do really way out there things with them. But you know, well, Squarespace, you can do full e-commerce sites with it, full like tr tracking oh, of, wow. of inventory and all sorts of stuff with it. It's, yeah. It's quite clever. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Yes, there is a lot of snobbery. It can be irritating, but you know, go with what you know. Yeah, ultimately, yeah, sure. and as you pointed out, your customers won't care. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, just make it good and make it secure. Okay, so on to today's show topic, where we're going to talk about things you should avoid when starting a side hustle. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because we, we did an episode a little while ago, didn't we? Sort of the things that you should do. Oh, things you shouldn't do. <laughs> this is things you shouldn't do. So we've got quite a few things on the list here. So. 
you know, maybe we'll both agree, maybe we won't. Yeah, no, we'll sure, see yeah. As we go um, through them. Uh, yeah, I, I probably don't know what I'm talking about. I'll, I'll still have an opinion though. <laughs> so first one we've got, which we've, we've kind of already touched on a bit this episode. So don't invest too much time in an idea without testing that idea first. So things like the minimum viable product and yeah, no, I think what you what you got to do is, uh, I think sometimes people can end up building stuff for a very long time without sort of asking people whether they actually need that product or not going out and having difficult conversations with people. I think you can quite often be guilty of that. And you, you, you I've heard people where they spent, literally spent two years coding something up and never never spoke to anybody, never, and then launch it to crickets because nobody's yeah. interested in what they built. So I think that's got, you've, you've got to guard against that. I think sometimes you've been that in love with what you're doing and your idea is that you just don't go and or, you, or you're scared sometimes to put it in front of people um, so I think you've got to sort of build why well, ideally build something small and simple that you can go out and show people and then show it to potential customers as well do you do a similar process like that for steel beam calculator yeah I mean to be fair it's kind of not through choice but obviously um, we just built a simple product it was our first product and then we just got it in front of people and said you know do you you know is this useful you know would you buy it and luckily a few people did you know we didn't like go and spend like three years building something and then go and asking people whether they wanted it because that was just you know I think better off building something small and simple. You go out and test people if they find it useful, and then you can build from that small. There's a there's a quote I heard, but for life of me, I can't remember where it's from. So I don't know if you want okay, to yeah. it. Um, if you're not embarrassed by your first version, you're not doing it right. Or yeah, I can't, yeah, lines. I know that I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. With, obviously, it's, it's got to be complete, complete rubbish, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's it. I think you've got to be a little bit, almost like launch too early, mm. not hold back. I think some people, they want to build the perfect product and and not go out and get feedback. I think they want to, they spend, they spend all their time making some the world's most perfect, whatever it is that they're building. But sometimes that's a long approach. Sometimes you've got to be quick and you've got to move quick and you've got to get feedback from customers. And they're going, building something that nobody wants, you know. Yeah, and there's also the idea as well where if you've got an idea for a product, you might write some you know pretty good marketing copy and put a very basic one-page website up, but then yeah. have like an email um, sign-up thing where so you know, if, if you're interested in, yeah, in this yeah, launch, you know, let's know. Sign up. Yeah, I mean I've done similar things before with like, where we had an idea for a product. Um, it's like a training product actually. So what we did is we I, I created like a landing page. I think it was on like a website builder and uh, ran a small AdWords campaign, and then we just had like an email sign-up. So created. To get instant instant traffic, but we just didn't get much in response on it. People weren't no. interested. People weren't interested in the idea, so we just didn't build the product. Okay. We didn't like, you know, we didn't. I didn't invest loads of time in it because there was no real demand for what we were sort of proposing. So it's, it's those sort of things that you can do, isn't it? I think sometimes you've got to. As I, otherwise, you can end up building, spending years building something that nobody wants. Yeah, well, I guess you could have a fairly general idea, but you might put some very simple sign up pages that try and focus that that kind of core idea towards different groups yeah and kind yeah. of see where you get your biggest level of engagement yeah yeah that's a good idea yeah, there's lots yeah. of different tactics you could, you could try yeah yeah you might be able to dial down on the bit that's important then or the particular target audience you know and then you can go and reach out to more people like that and say is this useful or whatever yeah cool okay so next one then is don't ignore the competition okay yeah is. yeah i mean there's, there's quite a few schools of thought on this you know with competition you know some people say that if you don't have any competition, it's, it's a bad thing. Other people say, oh, that's, that's a great thing, you know, it depends, yeah. isn't it? I don't know what, what your views on on competition are. I mean, personally, I think a bit of competition is a, is a good thing because it kind of validates the idea, but then kind of what you need to do then is see about how you're going to differentiate yourself from the competition. Yeah. Because, you know, generally in any marketplace, unless you're really, really, really niche, you know, there is going to be room for multiple players who might approach the same product or the same angle but just from different directions yeah you maybe. might have your own like for example um, our product is quite niche we do have competitors but I think we you know we've niched down in our particular little bit of the internet that is ours you know um, so we've kind of you know ours is sort of different enough to our competitors to make ours you know unique and stand out so yeah you've got to think about I think it's because sometimes if there's no competition you, you sort of that's sometimes a bit scary isn't it because you're thinking if there's no competition, is there actually even a market for what you're doing? Are you, it's almost like you're creating the market, which is really hard sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're creating the market, then how much money are you going to have to spend on trying to get um, people yeah, to... Yeah, it's almost like educate people in something completely new. I mean, sometimes that might work, you know, you might just find there's an open bit of, you know, the world out there that you can just go and take over, but, you know, I think it's a risk, isn't it, I think? I guess where it can get a bit scary is if you're trying to do a more niche product in 
kind of a, a wider area that's got some bigger players in there, then you, you do run the risk if they're very big players that they've got yeah. those annoying software patents on, on you, ideas. Yeah, sometimes you can end up talking yourself out of an idea though because you're scared of perceived threat of competitor isn't really a problem. Sometimes you can end up thinking, oh, I can't do this because there's already somebody doing something similar. But if you do, you know, your own little take on it and do it, or do something better or different, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to build this social network because of Facebook. Yeah, but perhaps you could build a social network for something really random like train spotters or something like that. You know, do you know what I mean? You know, you might have, especially if you're a train spotter yourself, you know, or you could have like. You heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like for example, I spent somebody yesterday and they were, they were building like um, headphones, but it was headphones for like weightlifters. Okay. And I thought, okay, yeah, because he was a weightlifter and that was his little, that's what I understood, you know, this little niche of, I don't know if it's a thing like headphones, but that's... I'm, like, just, trying, I'm just trying to imagine what that looks like. Are they like really heavy? I think they're really... <laughs> <laughs> like, I Pair dumbbells voice. on the side of your head. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're just like, really durable, I think. But right. I think that's what he, he was like for powerlifters and people that do CrossFit and all that kind of stuff, you know, um, and, 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 and that. So it was kind of like, that's our niche and... I, it, it was only I think it only built a prototype, but I thought, oh, that's yeah, that's nice. At least he's thought about how we could sort of target towards his kind of expertise or knowledge. Or I, I, I can't get his vision of a little set of dumbbells <laughs> with, with a head shaped bump in that's it. That's a really good idea. Yeah, like yeah, carrying extra weight on your head with these <laughs> sticking out your ears. With little speakers on the weights. That'd be really cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, a strong neck, wouldn't you? Yeah. So I mean, if if there is competition out there, then you know. How are you differentiating yourself from the from your competitors? Yeah, I, think, I mean, are, are you putting a unique spin, or you know, is it a product aimed at a group of people, but you're targeting a specific group of people in that larger group? I mean, that could be a way of differentiating yourself. Yeah, I think there's sometimes if really if sometimes if there's might be a really big player out there, but you could what you could target is just a little niche. You know, you could target a different set of customers, or you know, there's there's things you could do, isn't it? Or you could do things slightly better or cheaper or just differently. You know. Hmm. Like say for example, if there's a big like if there's a desktop software out there that does that, where well, you could do like a, a cloud-based version of that, you know, yeah. and do it slightly differently, or you can yours could be you know a nicer UI, so it's quicker to use it, or it's easier so to use, or more sim- similar set of features, but you're changing how you changing the way you actually deliver the product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or perhaps you could say if there's a, a you know a, a web app, you could perhaps think oh, I could perhaps do like a, a mobile phone app, you know, version of that. You know, or do you know what I mean? So that people can use it portably, you know, rather than just on their desktop, you know, and, and things like that. It's just thinking about how you could do things like differently to serve a different kind of customer, mm. you know. Absolutely. Okay, so next one then is don't do too many things at once. <laughs> yeah. Which is a trap I'm pr- pretty much willing to guarantee every single person who oh, yeah. wants to run a business falls into. I know that because I'm the same. Yeah, I think sometimes you have to have a bit of focus, don't you, where you just do you know just work on one thing at a time and just finish it and then before trying to work on yeah sometimes you try to work on like 20 things at once you end up building nothing don't you, you know yeah so I, I i fall quite dangerously into this one because i have a lot of, I, I i get bored of things quite quickly yeah so if yeah. i so i tend to focus on something quite intently for two to three weeks and then i need to do something else so i've normally got four or five things on the go at a time but I, but i get quite good at circling around and finishing them off yeah yeah it's something you've got to guard against isn't it i think sometimes it's just having that focus isn't it um I always remember, I think, um, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett were I think, in the same room and they were both asked, you know, what was the reason for their success? You know, why were they successful? And they both said at the same time, focus. Yeah. yeah. I think it was just having the focus just to concentrate on one thing and do it well, you know. And I think that's something I, something I struggle with. I'm, I'm a business partner. We're always trying to, we've got these amazing ideas of new things we want to work on. We kind of neglect what we should be doing now. You know, the existing ideas that are kind of working for us, you know, we should just double down on them and, just get those done before moving on to the next thing. But we've kind of got like 10 things on the go that we want to build all at once. Do you, you find know? then that having a business partner, it kind of helps you both keep each other focused? Sh- yeah, perhaps it does. Yeah, I think sometimes sometimes on your own, you, you haven't got anybody to keep you in check. So sometimes it might be worth just having a mentor or a mastermind group or other people you can speak to just to say, am I on track? You know, sometimes you do lose focus, don't you, a little yeah. bit? I don't know, how do you I mean, go against I, I, that yourself? Or I don't lose focus. I'm very focused on the things that I do. I'm very good at finishing things. But I, but I yeah. tend to work on various different things in in different sort of time blocks, oh, just okay. just because that's, that's just, just kind of how the way I work. Yeah, but I mean, 
<coughs> I do have ways of keeping myself focused. I mean, obviously, the stuff I'm doing with Plural site, there's quite a tight contract written around that I have to deliver. Ah, okay, yeah, so, so that gives so you the, the focus. So there's no real issue of delivering. And like with, with the book that I'm doing as well, I mean, I've got to the point now where I've got so much of it done, I've hired the editor. And her job isn't just to, you know, make the text sound a bit better. Her, okay. her, her job is to literally sort of kick my butt and question stuff. So, so, that, yeah, that so, so that, that's kind of helping, helping me focus there as well. Yeah, it's, it is. It is. Hard. I think sometimes you can just really, really go for it and try and build everything. And sometimes, if you try and do everything, I think there's this thing, isn't there? If you have like a list with about twenty things, and you end up doing nothing. But if you've got a list with like two things, you're likely to do them, mm. aren't you? You know, so it's a bit like that sometimes. You've got to just have a few things, finish those, and then move on to the next thing, rather than have everything all on the go at once. Yeah, and it almost becomes an excuse to do nothing, doesn't it? You end up just doing too much, end up doing nothing. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you're like completely overwhelmed with things you want to work on, then yeah, you're absolutely right. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get that stuff done. But you know, even though I said I have a lot of things on the go at a time, at the same time, I'm not working on all those things at exactly the same time. I'm, I'll spend yeah. you know t two weeks, three weeks, or up to a month just really working on that one thing. But then I kind of feel like I need a bit of a break from that. Yeah. Then work on something yeah. else. But perhaps you've got to work out schedule your work. You know, say so say I'm going to work on this task and then have kind of a process in place where you work out what order you're going to work on things and, and when. I think it's good to have, to at least know in the future what you're going to be working on, you know, but not make that your focus when you, you know, it's, it's having a balance, isn't it, between yeah. working on what you're working on now and planning for the future. I mean, I, I quite like having a different variety of things to work on, but then with my, with the business I run, I'm not, I'm not focusing on one core product. Obviously, that's where the difference is. I'm yeah. what you do. I mean, you, you have a, a product or a suite of products, yeah, yeah, which is the business. Whereas my business is kind of it is content, yeah for, yeah, for various different avenues, whether it be Skillshare, Plural Site. I sometimes you got to be a bit careful. Sometimes, if you, you could be you could run the best business in the world, but you could end up being miserable because you'd end up doing all the things the business should do, but not enjoying what you're doing. You know, it's, yeah, it's, I think that could happen. Yeah. I sometimes just be careful a little bit. Um, I somebody said, you know, all this. Somebody, somebody just said the argument about there's this e-myths revisited where it's all about working in the business and not on the business and all this kind of stuff but if yeah. you enjoy say if you're a structural engineer this is why I'm a structural engineer and you enjoy structural engineering um, really it's probably not a good use of your time to do all the engineering you know really you should be working on the business growing the business and doing all the marketing and all this but if you don't enjoy doing that sometimes that can be tricky can't it you know that getting that balance right between what you enjoy and what you should be doing you know yeah i mean but i guess that's where a co-founder comes in because if you if you know that you're very good at the product development side of it but you hate accounting marketing and all the businesses stuff, yeah, then yeah. you kind of need a, a co-founder who's got complementary skills to yourself yeah yeah it's tricky yeah perhaps they can do some things you don't enjoy doing um, and then you can concentrate on things that you do like you know so it, it's tricky but they, they might not like things that you don't like as well so yeah. sometimes it's tricky um yeah okay uh this is quite an interesting one i i can't remember where i heard this it was on a podcast somewhere and i thought actually this would be quite a good point for this episode so it's avoid making a side hustle only because you hate your job <laughs> okay and uh, you know, it sounds quite funny but actually if you think about it i mean you know some people love their jobs some people work in a job where they absolutely hate it they hate their boss they hate what they're doing they're literally just there for the paycheck yeah, yeah. But then yeah. in that situation, you know, unless you are particularly passionate about doing a particular side hustle, what is that just an excuse to think about something else other than a new job? Where maybe just finding another job when, uh, might, might be, be the, the best thing to say, for you. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tricky one because I think um, I, I kind of get bored easily. With, I mean, I've done quite a few jobs over the years and I tend to find I get bored of them. So sometimes it's good to have a side hustle to sort of break up the monotony of of a day job that you don't necessarily love you know that's or... exactly what Pluralsight was for me to start with yeah. I was working for a large pharmacy company sort of a healthcare company and I consider that the one big career screw up that I made I really that didn't enjoy that all. the company was good I, I just hated the project I was on I didn't particularly like the people I was working with Yeah, the programme of work I was working on was like over budget by tens of millions it was horrible absolutely yeah crazy. just didn't yeah didn't so if it. i'm completely honest in that situation i was actually using the plural site thing as, a, as an excuse to think about something else yeah perhaps, even though yeah. I, you know, I enjoyed doing the plural site stuff um yeah it's, it's, it's a tricky one i'm sure there's lots of people that start businesses because they hated that day job so it's, oh yeah yeah absolutely um, i mean if, if i was working for a company at the time that i absolutely was totally engaged with and completely loved would i have then looked at doing the plural site 
thing as, as yeah. an option, or I've just focused on what I was doing in my day job. I think you have to be careful. Perhaps is um, when you do perhaps perhaps the more important thing is when you say, for example, you want to quit your day job, and you might just look what's the quickest possible way I could do that. It might not necessarily be the best business or side hustle that you can yeah. do just because you hate your job. You know, you'd be hasty, couldn't you? Make the wrong decisions. Do you think? Or you could do, and I could get you into trouble, which leads very nicely into our into our next point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was it was that a deliberate lineup? Uh, yeah. Because yeah, that worked really, quite well. Because no, it, it wasn't intentional. But yeah. Because the next one is uh, starting a side hustle without discussing it with a partner. So, yes. so you know, if you you know wife or husband or you know partner at home, obviously you don't want to venture into something that could be potentially quite life changing without actually discussing it with who you're yeah, with first. Yeah, I think I think obviously uh, aside, I hate to say it, it's going to have to take some you know it's probably nights and weekends most likely, isn't it? Um, that you're going to be working on your side hustle, mm. um, so it's going to be a significant amount of time. I think it's something you need to discuss with you know with with your partners, family, friends, whoever you know. I think it's tricky really because I, I went to an event yesterday and one of the guys was like very much oh startup's going to take up your life and you're going to have no friends time family for any any of that and I think that's kind of a bit brutal like, kind of a little bit depressing actually I thought I wonder if you if there's a way you could do it in a more sane way you know um, it, also it depends what you're trying to achieve if you're trying to take over the world you probably would have to do that but I think if you want to have a successful business you know uh, like a successful small business it might not be so much of a I think, but I think you definitely need to discuss it because you're just going to have to spend so much time working mm. on your project, and it's going to have to take away from family time. And sometimes it might not, because a lot of people just spend watching telly and doing like pointless things. So perhaps you can, instead yeah, of like I mean, doing when things, I started building courses, you know, all, all of the script writing process and slide building and all of that stuff, that was all pretty much done on a laptop from the sofa. Yeah. So whilst I was kind of focusing on it, I was kind of having conversations with my wife at the same time, and we was watching stuff together on TV. So I was kind of working, but not intently focused if that makes sense yeah yeah whereas in what I'll do is I'll get to a point where on like a Sunday evening when the kids are in bed I did all of the recording for that module yeah. on, on a Sunday and then I would just gradually edit it through the week it might just be that um, like say in an evening you might spend a couple of hours watching television so instead of doing that you're just working on your side hustle you know it might not be that much of a a killer really you know mm. um, and it might not affect your you know your sort of relationships with family friend and, and partners etc yeah, but I think you do definitely need to discuss it first. I mean, me and my wife, Amanda, I mean, we, we sat down and discussed it. So, I think, you know, I've, I've kind of had this opportunity presented to me. I think it could be quite good in the future, but it's going to take this amount of work. What do you think? I mean, we had, you know, we had quite a long discussion about it. Yeah, perhaps perhaps you need to get people on board. I think it's I think the harder decision is is when you go from side hustle to full turning your side hustle into a full time job. I think that's more scary, and I think then you definitely yeah. have to have buy in from your partner. But hopefully. Because you've had a side hustle, you've been able to demonstrate that your side hustle has legs, you know, that there is potential there. Yeah, you know, well, that was exactly the position I was in. I mean, I could demonstrate it was doing well, and I knew that at the projections of which I was earning, it would only take me six months to surpass what I was earning in my full-time job. Yeah, not, yeah. Not roughly, but it was still a frightening conversation I think, to have. I think the other thing might be is, is if you could say, if, say if you have a side hustle and it generates a little bit of, a bit, a bit of money, perhaps you could use that money and say, I'll go for a nice meal with your partner and say, you know, to demonstrate that there's success in what you're doing you've got to kind of get buy-in haven't you really mm. as to what you're doing you know if you're just spending your whole all your spare time working on something and you do it for 10 years and nothing ever happens it's kind of hard isn't it one of the big you deciding know? factors for us is because um, we, we have kids you know they, they go to school and then you know we have childcare you drop them off at school and pick them yeah, up and we, yeah. we pick them up from childcare but the last several jobs that I worked at I had to sort of arrange with a company that you know, on several days during the week, I would need to leave early at four okay, to leave to pick yeah. them up, but I could be in early the next day. And whilst they said they were okay with that, you always felt awkward being the one having to leave. Oh yeah, especially yeah, like bad, when we was yeah. at a startup and we've got a big software <coughs> deployment coming up, but I have to leave at four to go pick the kids up, but yeah. other people are still there. It kind of makes you feel a bit crappy. Crappy. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. And it, on a few occasions, especially at that sort of healthcare company I was talking about, it, it got a bit awkward because I had a conversation with my boss who was like, "You can't leave at four. You have to be the you have to be here and be present for your team." It's like, well, if I don't get back, my wife's away. What Kids, do I do? Yeah. I can't I can't just leave yeah, children unattended. Yeah, yeah. So that got quite awkward. So that was actually when when we talked about me going full time, that actually played a very large part into it because I've got complete flexibility now I mean, it's like last week we were saying about the floods oh yeah yeah. you know yeah. I just decided to oh, work from is, home for that one week that is one of the joys yeah I mean there's a few things I'm doing so I'm taking like tomorrow 
uh, taking the kids for a haircut and stuff. And and uh, was it tomorrow? It might be this afternoon actually. Especially <laughs> um, but um, and like tomorrow, my little boy, they do like uh, you know, they win these awards at school if they've done something good or whatever, you know. And having one tomorrow, like half two tomorrow, so I'm taking okay. time off work to go. To, it's good to have that flexibility. So That's like the celebration assembly type thing. Yeah, yeah, he's won some award for being doing something well. I don't know what it is yet. I'll find out. But yeah, it's nice to have that flexibility with your own stuff that you can that you can't. Sometimes you feel guilty if it's a day job just to take the time off. You know. I guess that leads into our next one then, which is uh, not jumping into going full time too early. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is important. I think you need to demonstrate some. Ideally, you want to prove the concept of your side hustle. You know, so that's all. Well, for me, it was the whole point of the side hustle was to sort of prove that I could then go full time. Yeah. Um. So I, I'd give it, you know, time. To, I mean, you said you went. It was three years, wasn't it, before you it's went? About, about three years before I uh, finally sort of took, made the jump. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's about a year and a half. So yeah. So I was going to make the jump a little bit earlier. I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show before, but I was working at that healthcare company which I hated. Yeah. And at the point I resigned from that company, I was going to go do my plural that stuff full time at that point. But I'd already been talking to the um, founders of this other startup for about a year. Yeah, yeah. And they wanted me to go work for them, but they didn't have the funding at the time. But then, you know, as you know, things panned out, <laughs> yeah. about a week after I resigned, they got in touch <coughs> and said, "Oh, the funding's come through, so we can we can take you on to build this thing." Okay. Yeah. And I kind of had a, a you know it was an interesting decision at that point. So shall I go do this? Like it's a brand new startup. I'll be like the third person, third or fourth person there. And I thought, actually, that's quite exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's and, and it's someone else's money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get to play with other people's stuff, yeah. So, so I went and did that for a bit. So it was, it was kind of a false start. I was going to go and full-time do my thing sooner, but actually I kind How of... How long did you work at the startup there? How long was I there for? About a year and a half, I think. Year and a half, oh, okay, yeah. Um, but I think that's that's it's good to have that kind of, um, just to test an idea. You know, don't, don't just start uh, and then think next week you're gonna quit your day job. You know, mm. It's not gonna happen that quickly. Well, well, it might do, but it'd be you know better than likely, wouldn't it? I think I think you to at least test it as a concept. And that's the joy of having a side hustle, isn't it? Is you get to test different things and see what works. Yeah, I mean, when I discussed it with my wife, I mean, we we put a set of parameters in place. So I had to be earning a certain amount per month consistently from it, and have a certain amount in savings from the yeah, business I'd, as, I'd, as a buffer. I said, and this is before children. Um, um, I think it was. I think with children, it makes it a little bit harder. I think, but you can still do it. I think you just have to be more more careful, perhaps. Um, but I think I remember having you know certain like targets in mind, you know. And for the first six months, I worked somewhere three days a week just to build up a kind of bit extra, you know, as a contractor to build up a bit extra extra cash. But I always tried to have at least sort of six months runway or six months cash so if I just didn't make any money I'd still be okay for like six months I know yeah. some people even more some people say like a year but I think that's that's quite extreme but you know as, as much as you can really don't you I don't know if you're the same or you try and well we, we agreed about six months yeah yeah I think six, six months of money saved as a, as a buffer yeah that's, that's sensible I mean if you, if you can't if you're thinking if you if you only have like two weeks sort of runway you're thinking that's kind of that leaves you in a kind of difficult position if things don't pan out that's just a level of stress you don't need, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's 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 difficult. Okay, so um, sort of going back around to sort of the actual sort of product design and product that you're targeting. So don't target a product that has too much general appeal. So this is all about sort of <coughs> try not to you know do something that's too big that you can't realistically do by yourself. Yeah, sort of I think focusing on that niche. I think sometimes they say well, sometimes yesterday in the in the it was about like like dig a deep well, you know, go for a, a very what they call like a vertical you know just a niche where you can and then you can build out from that niche rather than going too general you know going for a wide well it's not gonna you know it's gonna be more more harder you know i think if, it's like with wide is very niche product but it works well because we can really focus in and, and serve our customers in that little niche really well and kind of build it out as you go along yeah yeah and then you can always build out from that once you've had some kind of success then you just iterate out from that success but i think it's very hard just to say i'm going to be I'm gonna like for example, you know, say you give the example earlier of like say if you want to build the next like a competitor to Facebook, it's gonna be really, really hard, isn't mm. it? But if you say I'm gonna do something really, really niche that just serves a very say serves like a, a thousand people, but serves them really well, you know, you, you could potentially have a really nice business there, you know. Um so it's a matter of just starting small and, and big building out from that that small user base. And just iterate right over time. It's quite interesting. You look at things like uh, Dropbox. I mean, that was a very, very small niche to start with. It, it was literally, you know, syncing files between machines. 
and then I've kind of ballooned into this kind of like massive Frankenstein yeah. monster of products. Oh, wow, well, you can't, yeah. Been having some Dropbox problems recently, so I was about to go on a rant. Oh, yeah, what's happened with Dropbox? You had issues with it, have you? Oh, it, no, it's, it's working, it's doing its job, but I just find it. Every now and again, you hear the fans start going on your machine, so you go look at the system, like the services oh, that are running, yeah. and you've got like Dropbox like hogging all of your system oh, resources it, every yeah. now and again. It, it takes over, does it? Like, Come on, it's just syncing files. How hard is it? Mm -hmm. Probably very hard. But will <laughs> 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 be quite tricky. Okay, so next one then uh, is jumping in without assessing your finances. This kind of ties back into you know that, that point when it's right to quit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did mention briefly about runway. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, what what do you need to make person need to break even? Yeah, yeah. And that's the obviously. I think you need to with your side hustle. You need to prove that it's successful. I think that's. I think we mentioned that earlier. And obviously, not going in too early, having that runway. I think if you if you can't build up a runway and you don't have that kind of financial discipline, perhaps it's time to sort of reevaluate whether it's it's even for you. I know it sounds harsh, but you know you've got to think you've got mm. to be disciplined. Um, well, I found it useful to sort of list out all of your kind of, you know, any debts and outgoings and bills that you're paying. Yeah. Just so you know exactly where your money's going to go each month, both for your business and for you personally. Yeah. Like, you know, like your, your, not, your household budget. I'm not great at that. But I think I think if you know what your outgoings are, um, you know, your monthly outgoings, if you look at carefully what those are and then see how much money you have in the bank and then you can have an idea of how much you need to. And then you also you need to, th you, I think you discussed um, to me about obviously with your side hustle, you know, you, you know what your monthly outgoings are. You've got to think, you know, how well is my side hustle? Is that is that replacing my the, the money that I need to? Um, I mean, certainly as you can also try and initially is is reduce your outgoings as much as you can. I mean, obviously that makes sense at least when you're starting out. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly if, if a lot of your outgoings are debt repayments, you know, like loans, credit cards, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we mentioned this on, on the show before about, but looking at is it actually possible that you can pay those down sooner, or consolidate them onto a lower interest plan? Obviously, we're not financial advisors, but I mean, I've, I know quite a few people that have <coughs> consolidated credit card debts and, and taken them off of credit cards and then put them into a lower interest loan just to bring down the amount yeah, that they're paying. I think obviously you need to try and I mean, uh, if say if you get extra extra cash from your side hustle, that might be worth sort of use. You know, if you can pay off any extra on your debts to get those paid off faster, if it's possible, you know. Um, oh, so while you're working, someone else use your profits to clear down debts. Yeah, stuff. if yeah. you can. Yeah, yeah. If you get good extra cash, the other thing you might. I mean, I know lots of people say, "Oh, they've got no cash," but then they go on like three fun holidays that year, and you think, well. You know, you That's can't why. have both ways. Yeah, it's like, yeah, just, yeah, don't complain you've got no money and then go on, like, just don't go on holiday that year, you know, or go somewhere in this country or, or don't go abroad, you know. I know yeah. it's harsh, but you've got to have well, the no, I mean, you, you, have, you, know. you have to draw the line somewhere, don't you? Yeah, I know it's it's kind of brutal, but I think sometimes you've got to look at, you know, if, it's, if you can save cash in any easy way, you have to do it, really. And also, on subjects of assessing finances, just because I'm about to go through this myself, is make sure you provision or put set aside money for tax. Oh, your yeah, tax. yeah, yeah. Um, so my my corporation tax is due at the end of November, but I'm not bothered about it because each invoice that I've cleared, I've put a percentage away into a yeah, separate savings we, account. So I've got the money set aside for it. We do but, that now. Yeah, we we quite, quite. There's a thing called Profit First. Have you heard of that method? Of, there's a book called Profit First, and what you do is you basically just leave in the money that's the tax and whatever's left over to keep the business ticking over. But you take out all of the cash, and that's your cash. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I think you have to be organised. I think you have to. Uh, I know it's tricky to hear about people this all the time. Is where they, a lot of people end up going bankrupt is because they spent all the money that they should have saved for tax, and then when the taxman comes up, they'll just bankrupt them. <laughs> you know, it yeah. happens all the time. Do not it? try and outrun the tax. Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. You, you see this quite often with celebrities, don't you? Where they, um, where they, you know, obviously spent all the money they haven't saved for tax at the end of the year. They, they, they're just doomed, aren't mm. they? It happens all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, so what, well, I don't know, my, my, my tax, my corporation tax is due at the end of this month. You know, I'm more is relaxed right? about it because I've put the money aside for you it. Know, so it's so I, know, I know the money's there, it's not being yeah. touched. As I know, it, it's, it's perhaps easier for us. So perhaps because we've got businesses that have been out there while well, we're doing okay, we're probably making more money, it's easy. But if, if you're not making very much money, it's harder to save, isn't it, I guess? So, I mean, you've still got to be mindful of that, haven't you? That's all got to be factored into, into your business plan. Yeah. So always my least favourite day of the year when I have to, when I have to pay that <laughs> corporation tax, pay that uh, tax bill. It's not fun. Yeah, I'm not got the final number yet. I need to get in touch with my accountant. Oh no, tell me yeah. what that final number is. Go in and sign the papers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this one here is you know don't be a recluse. Make sure you get out and network. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think this is this is crucial for for, for me. And I, I went to a meetup yesterday in in Leicester, and it was they were sort of interviewing like three founders, and one of the guys obviously said about his first business that he failed, and he said that he wished that he'd reached out to other people, and he probably would have avoided a lot mm. of the problems he'd had if he'd, he'd gone out and just talked to people. There's lots of people that have been out there and done what you've done, and you're just gonna get there and ask them questions and ask for help, you know. And you'd be surprised how helpful people will be, you know. I don't know if, if you've sort of asked other authors and other people in your industry, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I talk to loads of Pluralsight authors all the time. So we've, we've got a big Slack channel that all the authors are on that's run by Pluralsight, and we're always sort of chatting on there and discussing ideas, different ways of teaching, different ways of editing and recording. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of things can be gold, can't they? Um, I think it's always always good. I think the, the more you get out and meet people, the luckier you get as well a little bit, you know. Uh, the more people you, you can meet that can help you as well. Yeah, you know, one thing I haven't I haven't actually done is because I you know I run a technical meetup and I also attend technical meetups. Yeah, I've never actually looked on meetup.com for local entrepreneurial style meetups. Yeah, I have. I've been to a few. There used to be one called Knots Tuesday at Nottingham, but they don't do it anymore. And there was another one where it was uh, just for like founders of okay. startups, and that was really good. Um, I met a few other founders, and there's a few people that I'm keep that I keep in touch with now. I, I, yeah. I think the group's kind of died, but. You know, it's just nice to meet up with fellow founders. It just yeah. it can be really. I mean, obviously, they know things you don't know. You, you can help them as well. It's just really, really useful. And I do a mastermind group as well, which is useful. And I try and try and go to a few events, like the one I went to yesterday. It's just useful. You know, you get to meet people. You know. Well, I mean, you can also say that the way we met was because I decided one day that I needed to go to a yeah a co-working space. Go to a co-working yeah. space yeah. and. You were sitting there on the day that I turned up, and you yeah. you showed me where the kettle was. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, because you probably never, never would have found it. You would have like died of thirst, I think. Yeah, because it's the other side of the building, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and now we record a podcast together. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I think you mentioned here, obviously, in the notes about being an introvert and how, how a challenge that can be. With and you probably find it potentially quite draining to network with with people. So it can be. I find it draining. So whenever I go to a conference, I mean. You know, you're you're there to speak, you're there to watch talks, but you're also there to meet people, and it is exhausting. Yeah, yeah, perhaps, it's not, you, not in a bad way. I mean, I love doing it, but it's just, just yeah, dealing with that, isn't it? Like having the time afterwards to sort of have time on your own and and sort of reflecting upon it, I suppose. But I think it can be quite invigorate as well. Even in for introverts, I assume it must be it must feel good to get go out and network with people and meet people, and it, it's still useful, isn't it? No, it is. I, I mean, it's if, if someone's introverted, it doesn't mean they're shy. Yeah, it it just means they find being in large groups tiring. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm a I'm an introverted extrovert. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's not talking about networking. I can't remember if I mentioned this, but you know, I recently went to Sweden to do a a talk and a workshop at a company, and the reason that engagement came about is because someone from that company saw me speak at another conference in Sweden the year before. Yeah, and yeah. Then it was like literally about nine months after that, that conference happened, I received an email. Yeah, I was, saying, yeah, I we would like you to come to our company. Is that? I always think it's like this kind of um, you have like a look surface area, and the more you go out and meet and see people, the kind of luckier you get because you meet all these people that could potentially help you out or give you gigs or you get win work from or you can learn anything. That's a good term. Look, yeah, look surface area. I think it's a guy called Jason Roberts came with this concept of it. Um, he was one of the first developers for for Uber, right? And uh, he does a podcast as well. But he he mentions this kind of this in a blog post about the look surface area and I think that's I think that's a thing I think you, I think you do I think the more you go out and meet people the more you might find somebody that can help you out with what you're doing you know and vice versa you can help them out so you can repay the yeah. favour or when people are just starting out with their side hustle you can give useful advice as well yeah, I remember reading once about um, I can't remember what the book was called or who it was by which is really helpful <laughs> but they're talking about you know sort of meeting up with different um Sort of business owners, and then not only sort of sharing ideas and knowledge, but you're also helping each other out by off- offering your services to other companies yeah, in, that, in yeah. that group for free. So, like, you might be a web designer, so you might do a bit of web design for this company, but they might be a marketing company, you might do some marketing yeah, work for yeah. you. So, it's kind of like tra- <coughs> trading your services instead of cash. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which can be quite a useful benefit of networking. Yeah, I think it's tricky because the thing that I do, I so said, if I do structural engineering, you might not need a structural engineer very often so it's probably limits the I probably would be really useful that time you did need a structural engineer but Kevin I'm building an extension yeah I could definitely be useful then but yeah you know what I mean it's not something you need to be useful all the time you know so that's quite hard yeah yeah like that but I know what you mean yeah I know there's definitely things you can help people and they can help you whereas if you was had to produce some videos or anything like that I could kind of help you with that oh yeah for sure yeah yeah 
Okay, so sort of, you know, closely linked to, you know, the networking side of it is not not building your products in isolation. So having like a, you know, if you have a co-founder, obviously you've got that person that you can bounce ideas off. Of, yeah. But, you know, kind of the idea of having a trusted inner circle or people that you can confide in, which I know you do with the mastermind group. Yeah, right? yeah, I do the mastermind group. So I find that, that really useful. I think that's one of the, one of the things that's definitely helped me. Uh, I'd recommend that, you know, if you can find other people that are doing what you're doing, um, even if they're, you might either if somebody ahead of you or behind you or, you know, if somewhere around where you're at, you know, that's definitely useful. And you can sort of hold each other to account. You can, they, they might be able to suggest things that they've done that have worked and you vice versa. You can sort of say things that have worked for you, for you that might work for them, you know, and it's, it just, you push each other along, you know, mm. it's like, it's, it makes you sort of like, you know, if you've got just yourself, it's hard, but if you've got two other people helping you as well, that makes you sort of three times more chance of being successful, you know. If you ever got into one of those uh, mastermind meetings with like an idea that you think is absolutely brilliant, and by the time the meeting's finished, you come al- you, you come out of it going, "Yeah, I'm not doing that." Yeah, I know. It's a few things. Yeah, perhaps we have, uh, you know, where sometimes you, sometimes you need people to say just focus on what you're doing rather than gone trying something new and crazy. You know, so no, it's it, there's a few things. Yeah, where perhaps it's harder sometimes. Sometimes when people from a different perspective, they see outside perspective they see things that you don't you know sometimes you're too stuck in the detail you know mm. sometimes you need somebody to give you a, a bigger overview and just say no you, need, you know i think you need to just stick with what you're doing or or you know or whatever or try something different you know yeah if you do need to do that but yes it's always great to have that outside perspective i mean sometimes so it's hard because they might not always get the nuances of of what of all of your business and because you're in it sometimes you understand it more than they might mm. but sometimes it you, sometimes they give you that outside perspective that you don't always appreciate or they have experiences that can help you get through the problem you might be yeah. having at that moment in time. I mean, whilst I don't have a specific mastermind group that I use, I do kind of have kind of like an inner group of, you know, people that produce courses and videos and yeah, writers that's and speakers like as well. Your, I mean, you also you go to events as well, don't you? So that is kind of yeah. like your trusted inner circle, isn't it? The people that you... It is, you know, but we don't meet as frequently as what you might do, say, with the mastermind group. So I mean, yeah. we, we're kind of more frequent and ad hoc. Yeah, no, it must it must be really useful though to meet other people. Sometimes it gives you inspiration, doesn't it? You might see somebody who's doing really well, and you think, oh, you know, what they're doing, I don't. And then yeah. they can. Give I mean, you sometimes I mean, I I tend to do this quite a lot of conferences now. So when I first started going to all these conferences, I used to just go and watch talks on subjects that I was kind of interested in. But what I've started doing recently is <coughs> like that one when I went to Uruguay in Sweden a few weeks ago. So like there were some talks I went to. I wasn't actually that interested in the actual subject itself. Not that there's anything wrong with subjects, it just wasn't yeah. something I'd necessarily normally watch. But I'd heard that they're a really good speaker. Okay. So the thing I was actually trying to get out of it was actually sort of seeing someone else's speaking style and delivery style. Oh, I see, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't necessarily the content, it was how they... Yeah, I mean, on one of them, it's techniques. also to do, it's some like obscure web development thing, you know, it went completely over my head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that particular subject. But I was kind yeah. of interested, in, you know, I'd heard from people that, you know, this person's pretty good. Yeah, so yeah. I was, so I was kind of like looking at, you know, what their style of delivery was, which yeah. was quite good. yeah. Okay, and uh, save the, 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 the biggest <laughs> or the best one for last is uh, don't be scared off by failure. Yeah. Which no, kind of links it back into that question. Yeah, that was the big question we got earlier is, yeah, is, is sometimes you have to dust yourself off if you do fail and just and just keep going. It's hard, isn't it? Mm. That's all part of the learning, isn't it? Um, like one of the founders yesterday at the event that I went to, he said his first business was a complete failure and he said that his business partner ran off with all the cash and went to Hong Kong. And he was saying oh. like, he was saying that's one of the most valuable lessons. He says he doesn't regret having done it and he didn't think it was a bad experience because he went and he'd learned so much from that experience, you know, so. If it's still having someone steal from you and the uh, business, no, I, I, I find that hard. I think, I think I'd lose my faith in, in humankind. I think, I think it is hard, isn't it? But. I think you've got to see these failures as, as learning experiences and it's good that he was able to reflect upon the past and say yes that was a really valuable learning experience I learned so much from that you know although it was really painful at the time does so you have a, a bank account that requires dual signatories now <laughs> I don't know he'd tell, tell us a few bits about it but yeah he said that yeah it was it was really hard um, you know just yeah it was just a painful experience but I think you just got to keep trying and I think he was like open saying you know use that as a learning experience, move on to the next thing, and just keep going. Keep trying, yeah, absolutely. Keep trying, yeah, yeah I mean, it can be a massive knock on the co- knock on your confidence when something goes wrong, but, you know, you, you might feel down about it for a bit and have a bit of time out, but, you know, yeah, pick yourself yeah. up, dust yourself just, off. Just and, uh, perhaps reflect upon what you can learn from it next time and then just keep going um, and then try and learn from the mistakes that you made. Absolutely. So, 
that is our list of things to avoid when starting a side hustle. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you that's can, something that's going to help someone. Yeah, hopefully you can avoid those kind of mistakes. Okay, so let's uh, finish off with a couple of recommendations. So, you want to go first, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about Kevin because I had a, a friend and he was like thinking whether to build a feature or not. And I said, sometimes, sometimes you can do all the validation in the world, um, but you don't really learn until you actually launch the product. Uh, so, what I'm going to recommend is is a book called what's it called? I'll so get to it from it. The Seven Day Startup. So I was just looking it up on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the Seven Day Startup. And this is it's a you know seven day startup. You don't learn until you launch uh, by somebody called Dan Norris. And what he's saying is basically, you can do all the validation in the world, but until you actually launch something and people are actually paying for it and using it, you don't really know whether it's going to be successful. Sometimes it, you can spend longer validating an idea and procrastinating and not actually finding out more excuses to not do it than actually doing. Sometimes it's mm. easier just to take seven days and just build it. You know if it's something really simple. And I think there's something in that sometimes. I think sometimes we get too caught up in trying to be this big corporate, you know, the, the lean startup, it's almost become like a lean startup corporate kind of approach, yeah. you know, this like science of lean startup. I think sometimes it gets a little bit, you this know, is that's, like, yeah. that's not the reality. Most people I see launch products don't actually follow that kind of scientific lean startup yeah. approach they tend to just build something. so so in this case is it you know instead of going into analysis paralysis mode it's like you've got this idea just give yourself seven days see, yeah see what you can do with it then make yeah a decision yeah and then and then just launch it and see what happens and sometimes it's quicker to do that than it is to sort of like do this whole kind of convoluted validation process you know oh and that book's on kindle unlimited as well which means i can read it for free oh fantastic yeah excellent yeah. Yeah, so do do check that out. But it's, it's just it's just it's a counter. Actually, it's kind of like a counterpoint to the lean startup. It's mm. like this is um, a contrarian approach, you know, that somebody's used, and a lot of people have used this and have success with it. So it might be something that suits you know the way that you work, you know. So I don't know. Is that something that you've thought personally? Have you just like launched something that's been successful? You just happened to build it in seven days, and um, not a specific product as such, but. I've had ideas before where I thought, you know, let's just, just take a bit of time out and just basically build a prototype or something. Yeah, if you can do something quickly, you know, in a short time frame. Yeah, so, so it wasn't in the context of me trying to launch a business, but it was just more, I've got an idea on something, let's see if it's got legs. So you kind of give yourself a time box to, yeah, to try it yeah, out, which, so, which I guess is a similar I mean, seven days is probably idea. quite extreme. You could perhaps take a month or something, but you know, you know, you get the you get the, the concept behind it, though. You know, and a month turns into two, and then six, <laughs> and then yeah. a year, and <laughs> and then you spent like yeah, like I think earlier since you know, if you try and avoid spending the money as well, if you can, you know, just yeah. um, just try and be frugal. Just one of the things that was it: how to build a website in one day for under a hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm sure you can do that easily now, but yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's probably quite an old book, but yeah, cool, okay. And my recommendation is a piece of hardware. It's a toy. It's, okay. called, it's called the Keytron K2 Mechanical Keyboard. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I kind of missed the days where you know you have like a, a big keyboard with big chunky keys on it. Yeah. It kind of feels more like is a Commodore 64. Here, yeah, yes. Yeah, I don't know if you can see it around there. Is that one I've got on the desk there? Oh, it's like an old school, like big, big Yeah, so it's yeah. got these things like big called chunky keys. Che cherry brown keys are the ones I've got. So they're fairly clicky, but not too clicky that you're going to annoy yeah. people. Um, but I've been looking for one for a while uh, because I'm a Mac user. Most of the mechanical keyboards out there are kind of configured for Windows machines. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And so I've sort of found this one. It's actually a Kickstarter that I backed ages ago, and I completely forgot about it oh, just turned and, until, until suddenly <laughs> yeah. like, the, the, the backer survey thing turned up. And then it turned up, and it's like you know, it's, it's configured for Mac with like all the Mac option keys and stuff. But you do get a little device so you can pull the keycaps off, and they give you all the Windows ones as well. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you can convert it to a Windows keyboard quite easily. It's nice and compact. It feels really nice to type on. Yeah, yeah, it looks, and, it looks you know, chunky. When you when you're doing a lot of book writing, actually having something that feels more like a typewriter is actually quite nice. Is it? Yeah, it kind of yeah. sounds a bit like a typewriter when you're typing on it. Oh, uh, so. just yeah, it's got a nice nice feel about it. Nice clickety click. Yeah. No, yeah, cool. Yeah, well, so check that out. Yeah, but I find it quite comfortable as well. So if you put like a little palm rest in front of it as well, it's actually quite comfortable. Yeah, I mean you're you're putting a lot more typing than I ever would say. I guess yeah. it's probably more critical, isn't it? Kind of your layout in terms of hardware for typing. It kind of feels satisfying as well, that nice clicky sound. It's got a nice, a nice click to it. It's got loads of lights in it. You can configure all the different LEDs under it as well. It's, 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 a, it's a bit silly, really. You can it's either have like, 
It's got these like, RGB LEDs, so you can have this kind of like rainbow light show going on behind the keys. Yeah, cool. Or you can configure it so that for every key you press, you get this kind of, kind of like bolt of light coming out. Oh, cool, yeah. It's, it's a bit silly, but yeah, I like it. So yes. Good gamifying, gamifying sort of typing a little bit, does it feel like, yeah? Yeah, I mean, if you're sitting in a dark room with the lights off, it was quite good. Cool. Right? <laughs> okay. Yep, so that's the Keytron K2 mechanical keyboard, and your recommendation is the Seven Day Startup. Yeah. By yeah. Dan Norris. Yeah, please do check it out. Cool, okay. Well, that's another one in the can. Okay, yeah, another one, another one done. And we shall speak to you soon. Okay, see you then, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.